0: Have come to Florida and have knocked off the 13th ranked Gators by their victory over 14th ranked California. Richmond 94, Cal 90. Davis declines for the tie. Wow. Puts it on the deck. And shoots. Oh, finish! Oh, what a blow! We are back. For episode 12 of the Frontline Fanatics podcast, I am your host, Evan Aldifer. You can find me on Twitter. We're shouting out our socials this time at Evan Aldifer8. You can figure out how to spell it on your own. And as my guy JP says, nobody cares about anything else related to me. So I'll pass it over to my co host and paddleball, not pickleball aficionado, Andrew Aguilera. What's going on, buddy?
1: Love to hear it. Thanks for the shout out, shout out, JP. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. This is Andrew. You can find me on Twitter at Aggie all day. I will spell it out for you at A-G-G-Y-A-L-L-D-A-Y. Find us on Facebook at Frontline Fanatics and on Twitter at Front underscore Fanatics. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like usual, we are depressed and we are about to talk about some Richmond basketball from last week. Let's get into it.
0: Let's do it. This is probably the first off-season podcast. Uh, we think right now, we'll but see. we'll get we'll into see that. that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into
1: that. It's crazy that it's been almost a week. Uh, when people are listening to this, it'll have been six days since they last watched Richmond basketball in action. Since then, a lot has transpired. Um, we wanted to get this out a little bit earlier, but just because of logistics, mostly on my part. But I kind of like that we're doing this now, since now that some stuff has happened since the loss to Duquesne, we're going to cover that, and we're going to cover the uh, the other stuff that's happened since then as well. Evan, I'm not going to ask how you're doing because, like you said. People don't care, just kidding. Um, you've gotten a lot of shout outs from uh particularly my boy Bruno, who's listening. He said he thinks you make a great sports podcast slash commentator voice. You'd love to hear that. Um out, well, let's get into it right away. So let's start out uh with the Richmond loss in the second round, Richmond's first game of the A 10 tournament. Richmond came in as the eight seed, as we talked about on the last podcast, way lower than we thought they were gonna be especially after that St. Joe's loss. I mean, we, we did it to ourselves, but um, Richmond led 37 to 30 at the half. Second half, absolute collapse. Um, Duquesne ended up winning 67-62. Richmond didn't score in the last nine and a half-ish minutes of the game before a Tyler Burton field goal with like 47 seconds left in the game. So that was a quick wrap up. Evan, I'll let you start the uh, the breakdown of this.
0: So what I think... what i've been trying to like wrap my head around is basically before we even get into the duquesne game like people could tell and and i think just anybody around richmond basketball was already very down about the program and status of the team after the saint joe's loss yeah especially because of the timing right and like where it came going into the tournament and i was talking to somebody about this and and you know did you actually have any confidence that we would make a run in the tournament? Like now that I'm thinking about it, I think I just blindly convinced myself on fandom that we could, you know, finally get in stride and and make some noise in the tournament. But I actually thinking back on it realistically, I really had no hope for this team. And like, even if we were to beat Duquesne, you think we would have gone through St. Louis and Bonaventure back to back? Like, no, not a single chance in the world. So I just wanted to put that out there. Cause I think, I just think it might've been a little bit understated how much I think that um, St. Joe's loss and really just the entire return from the third COVID pause just crushed all momentum. I think it crushed the guys um, just emotionally. Like we never want to talk about people's effort or whatever, but I just think it just was hard to get back up for games after that, you know, many times having to stop and start. So I don't know. I, I didn't, I know what, I don't know what you think about that, but I just, I heard that yeah. and I was like, you know what, that's true. Like I really, I think I convinced myself just off of blind fandom, but like nobody who thought about this logically could have thought Richmond would have done anything in this tournament.
1: Yeah. Fandom shout out Don Forsythe, Uh Reason why we started this podcast. Um, but yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think I, bl- I don't even think I blindly thought that we would make a run. I knew in the back of my head that we wouldn't make a run. It was just like the side of me that you know wants to go towards the positive side of things, and was like, okay, you know that St. Joe's loss really hurt. Now, like they said in the press conference, this team has gotten a chance to refresh, like figure things out a little bit. A couple of days off before the game, you know we'll come to the, this Duquesne game, have a solid win, and then you know that Bonaventure game earlier in the season was you know one of the best games of the of the conference the entire year in my opinion, and I think in in, in some others' opinions as well, but. I thought because of that maybe we had a chance, but I kind of agree with you. I think that COVID pause really really put a damper on the season and, and just everyone was just exhausted after that. And obviously not an excuse, but people are gonna use that as an excuse for why, you know, maybe why this team lost or, you know, why the coach should stay or shouldn't stay. But um I never really thought we would make a run. I mean, this this conference has been so weird all year, but I think it's been clear that the Bonnies and and VCU and St. Louis were were the top teams all season. So yeah, I never I never totally bought into it. Um, I, yeah. I, I just like wanted to convince myself that I was into it
0: yeah I didn't want to you know derail the Duquesne analysis no I,
1: th- I think that's that a good thing. I think that's a good way to start it for sure
0: yeah. I was just thinking about that a little bit but um, no I think what I'll say is about that Duquesne game I mean everybody knows nine minutes without a field goal I mean that's just absurd especially when we talked about this on the IG live but like when our offense, it, our team, our program is so dependent on this offense and the system that we run—that's supposed to be able to get us easy looks, right? Like positionless basketball, movement, ball movement, player movement, all these things. And we go nine minutes in a game. Like, sure, Duquesne's a good team, but they're not a great team. They're a good defensive team. They're not an elite defensive team. They're not the elite. No way. no way. You know, so it's just inexcusable and. You know, it says a lot about what Blake means to this team in terms of being a shot creator. I think one of the biggest issues that we've got ourselves in right now is that we basically had little to no pure shot creation with Blake or, and try to rely on people being open as part of the system. And then the set, we ran right down, it's counterintuitive because it's the whole point of playing basketball, but we got nothing going. I mean, everything, just throwing shots in the paint, hoping we would get fouled. I mean, we kept trying to go with their big men we just got blocked. Like our offense basically just became giving the one nail, like it against St. Joe's and just letting him go back to the basket and he would just get blocked. Right. Or yep. Gilly, Gilly felt like he needed to get some offense going and he'd try to drive and he's yeah. and That's generous. And, you know, we don't expect him to have much inside. Of him when it's on that break. So you're right. It was a complete collapse. I mean, yes, unfortunately there is the excuse and they're all, I mean, not even for just this game, but there's this, it's the whole season of injuries. Cause there's no charade. There's no crab. Tree, um, you know grant was hurt for multiple games and uh and then the COVID pause right so yeah i mean those things obviously yes of course they come into play but i mean i don't think like i said going back to my first point i don't think anybody had confidence in a fully healthy richmond even even you know going into the tournament if everybody could go out there so i just think that was that was brought to fruition in this game and i don't know one of the interesting things was was like the frustration that showed um towards the end of the game and I really don't know if we're able ever going to be able to learn more about that. Like if that was self frustration, if he was angry at coaches or players or what, but that was kind of like, if you could encapsulate the season in one image, like that's it. Like one of our, our you know, shouting on the bench. and, And most, and that just really stuck out to me ultimately.
1: Yeah. Same. I mean, watching that, like, especially in, you know, early in the second half when we were just making some turnovers and seeing his anger and frustration, you know, it makes me think, like, oh, is this, you know, frustration at the team, at the way he's playing? And then he goes on the bench, and you're like, oh, now he's even more pissed. You got coaches in his ear, like, and he's just, like, getting really mad, and, and you're just, like, maybe he just wants to be out there with his boys, but I don't know. It it was definitely weird, and it makes me think, like, does this make him feel like he wants to come back and get redemption at this? Or is it just like, all right, I'm done with this. I want to move on to the next to the next thing, and we'll, we'll get into that. We'll, we can talk about who he thinks going to come back and who won't, but, um, yeah, it was definitely interesting to watch, for sure.
0: So of course, after the game, you know, Twitter blows up. Everything blows up. Everybody's yeah. calling for fire Mooney. This is unacceptable. And on the surface, yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, losing, like I said, losing to a bottom three team in the conference who then got smoked by UMass uh, as soon as they came out, and then losing to in the first game as an, as an eight seed when we were projected one. Um, and, again, similar to how, sure, maybe we all convinced ourselves that Richmond was going to do better in, in the the tournament. But really, if we all checked, really, we know what happened. I mean, that's the same thing with the coaching situation. After a couple of days, John O'Connor writes an article. John Hart, the AD, says, you know, we've got full support with Coach Mooney. We, we're looking forward to continuing to contend with him at the helm of our program. And anyone who's been around this program for a while now was very confident that that was going to be the result, right? Because as we know it seems that, you know, those in our, in our program, leadership in our program value just, you know, media, not mediocrity, but just value being an, in a,
1: in a way it is though.
0: Yeah, it is right. Like average to above average, um, program instead of going for actual highest level results. Right. And so we all knew this was going to happen. And yep. now, what I've seen is there's this very interesting um, kind of dilemma now within the fan base among the younger fans versus the older fans, because yes, some of the older fans, some of the fans have been around for a while. You are alum. Like we do see people on, on Twitter or people that, you know, we know that are in the same boat as most of the younger folks, right? Like a lot of people who want to change a lot of people who who have been tired of seeing the same thing, but a lot of those folks are also the ones that are, always up on the program, always up on the players, you know, kind of chastising people for being angry about the results and and being angry at the coaching staff. While you've got the younger folks, recent alumni, and then even, you know, kids in school and kids in high school that live in the area are all about fire Mooney. They're all about, this is horrible. So I I feel like there's a split and, you know, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I think that's been a, I, I think that's been a big, you know, result of all this. And now, I don't know. I think Richmond's got to decide like who they want to try to cater to, because I think they're going to lose a lot of recent, a lot like Richmond, as we all know, Richmond already has an engagement problem, Richmond athletics with their students. And I think it's going to become even worse if yeah. this is just the the result for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I mean, you look at just sports in general now and it's just kind of a, uh, it's it's a, what have you done for me lately situation? Pretty much in any sport, in my opinion. I mean, people that like you said the younger fans maybe they've been around for four or five years and we've seen that this team hasn't gotten it done and then you got some of the older fans that have been around you know 20 30 years and they're like okay well we made the tournament like 10 years ago then you got to look back and be like 10 10 over 10 years now that we're not going to make it this year without a tournament appearance like at any other bigger school or even other teams in this conference would be unacceptable like you would see that and it's got to be okay this this has to change and it just seems like the way that things keep progressing at this school especially you know everyone with Keith Gill it was like all right Keith Gill has been he hasn't done anything with Mooney and then Keith Gill's out and it's like all right finally we're gonna get a new AD and if he doesn't perform in the first year or two he's gonna be gone and now Hart you know continues to support him and people are really wondering like is this a. Uh, a D problem or is this just a program problem as a whole is Richmond athletics as a whole, just a program that doesn't care about fan engagement in a positive way that they're just going to continue to treat their coaches with a very low standard. And if you can just continue to keep the program where it is, you're going to have a job for life essentially. And that's, in my opinion, that's kind of what it seems like it's, it's become, if you can just continue to keep the team where they are and you don't necessarily need to progress, you can stay you can stay in this program as long as you want so i don't know i mean in my opinion i don't think he's gonna go anywhere unless he wants to go somewhere and he opts to leave i don't think this this current regime or the past regime is gonna let him go based off you know 11 years ago's achievements but i don't want to get too deep into that but yeah it's it's, yeah. it's frustrating for us and for the fan base i'm sure
0: yeah and and look like, again, as I said, it's unfortunate that, that there are these excuses that people can use. And, yeah, like I said, they, they do have merit this year. But if you look back on our se- this season as a whole, again, our dream season, picked, even with the Nick Sherrod injury, we were picked first in the A-10. Um, and we were getting – after we had that Kentucky win, I mean, Coach Mooney goes on um, – What is it, Scott Van Pelt's podcast, and we're getting all this national buzz. I mean, that could be huge. And if you review kind of the season as a whole and how we performed, even when we had a fully healthy team, like we only had a one good win on the whole season, which is Loyola Chicago. And even then, like I don't view that as a that great of a win because they are like another mid-major that doesn't know that much about us. To me, is it always in our favor just because of the way we play, right? So yeah, for sure. and they, like definitely,
1: they definitely improved after, after losing to us, for sure.
0: Right, right. And, no, Kentucky win. We learned that that means absolutely nothing. Like, yep. laughably, nothing. we still hang our heads on a Vanderbilt win, who's probably, like, a bottom five team in all of Power Five conferences. Like,
1: Though we happens. say that now, but I would not be surprised if somehow Kentucky wins the SEC. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but I think they could make a run.
0: Yeah, maybe we'd look dumb then, but, like –
1: but still, I like, just because they win the tournament doesn't make it look like it's a good win still because um, they're, still, they're still not a good team. Yeah,
0: we got a chance to play West Virginia, who's actually a really good team, and we yeah, got they're, absolutely they're nasty. Outclassed, outclassed and wiped off the floor. And yeah, then we, we go into conference play, and, like, who's a good – like, who's the best AT, A-10 team that we beat? Davidson?
1: Yeah, like, and they got
0: – We got, always beat Davidson. Got by yeah. VCU. We lost to VCU. We lost to St. Louis. We lost to Bonaventure. Like yep. – we lost to all of the competitors in the A ten. Yeah. And and so if you look back on the season as a whole, I mean, there's not that many positives to take away. And again, yes. I'm sure the athletic department's gonna have their positive spin on it. Yeah, of course. But I mean, this season was just a complete, utter letdown. There's no other way yeah. to put it. I mean, there's <laughs> in every way. <laughs> there's almost no positives to take from this year. I mean, again, I don't want to be too negative, but I just I'm thinking about it realistically. And and I think this will lead into I I think the one thing that everybody's curious about now that we're almost a week separated, is like, what's next for this team, Mm. you know, the program, the players, now that we know that the coaching staff isn't going to change, right. Coach Moody isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And that just doesn't leave me with a lot of confidence. Right. And it's just, I just think it was a complete, just a complete letdown for these expectations. And we thought that we were going in the right direction, but now that we look back on it, we really didn't make that much progress.
1: Yeah. I mean, even in a year that, like let's say we weren't supposed to win the A-10 and we were like a four seed I think we still look back on this season it's like yeah this was kind of a letdown we didn't win many of the games we were supposed to win like against key competitors and like you said in the A-10 and outside of the A-10 but I don't know there were were just so many letdown letdown games this season and it just reminded me of years when we were you know middle tier slash lower tier of the A-10 and we didn't get it done and now especially with expectations higher and we didn't get it done it just makes it even more disappointing so um i don't want to get too too much more into into my depression about this team and the disappointment but um let's uh let's transition to what you were saying about getting into uh, what what comes next for this team as a whole and as well for the players so um in a recent article that john o'connor published shout out joc um he had he had posted a quote about john hart's Support from Mooney, as well as saying that they would definitely bid if they were offered one. Um, My personal opinion is that I don't know why they would say this. All right. So speaking on that, let's get into what we were talking about before, or what you were talking about about next step for this program. Um, recently, John O'Connor, our boy, shout out JOC, posted an article about John Hart, AD of Richmond slash VP Athletics. Um, he, he gave his support for Chris Mooney as the coach, as well as speaking about how they would consider accepting a bid to the NIT tournament. From my From my perspective, I don't see why Richmond would even be considered for the NIT, especially in a COVID year when the NIT is only... 16-team field in a bubble, which I believe is going to happen. Um, Considering Richmond was an 8-seed that lost to a 9-seed Duquesne in the second round, first round for Richmond in the 8-10 tournament after such high expectations, I don't even know why this would be a team that's considered, considering it's supposed to be the top 16 teams outside of the field of 64 in March Madness. That being said, I want to get your opinion, Evan, on that comment, and then we will get into the future of the program's players, uh, specifically. So let's hear your opinion on that. Nit comment.
0: I'm totally in agreement with you. I don't think we're on the like in the the maybe we're in the conversation, but I don't think we're more than likely to be in the nit. I think it's less of a possibility, right? It's less than a fifty percent chance. Um, like I think. Said, I think
1: we. I think we would need teams like several teams to turn it down for us to get in.
0: Right. So we, you know, Leonardi basically said. After losing to Duquesne, we fell completely off the bubble, right? Which we knew that. We were kind of in, like, I would think that the, the next eight out, right, instead of the next four out. So if in a 16-team NIT, like you said, that's the first four out and then the next 12. And I don't think we're in that next 12, especially with all these teams that are now having these games and conference tournaments, and we're just sitting there for a, a week with our quote quote resume getting worse and worse mm-hmm. every single time. I, I don't think – there's any chance of that and so that's why I said at the beginning of the podcast our 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 off-season our first off-season episode because I don't think we're going to see this team play again this year and I don't really think that should be that surprising to anybody personally
1: no I don't think there is a chance and I was thinking about it after we lost to Duquesne I'm like is there a weird way that Richmond schedules a game this week and I'm like no that'd be so dumb there's literally no point of that doesn't help us and if anything it hurts us giving us another loss um, Just to show that this team lost another game. So, yeah, I don't think there's any chance that we play in the NIT. If we do, I'd be very surprised. Honestly, I don't even think we should accept if we got the look, um, just because I don't think it helps us in any way, especially with injuries. And unless these guys are really desperate to get one more chance in a Richmond Spider uniform, which is not what it looked like in that Duquesne loss. And speaking of last chances in a Richmond Spider uniform, <laughs> let's break down the seniors' Who we think is coming back. Who we don't think is coming back. Coming, Going off the bat, let me know if I miss anyone. We got Nick Sherrod, Jacob Gilliard, Grant Golden, and Blake Francis. And I guess we'll throw Nathan Ko there as the major players that could potentially leave or come back um, to start. Blake Francis said before the season that he's not going to be returning on his free year. But, Ev, I'll let you chime in. If I missed anyone or if I didn't miss anyone, let's start off. I want to hear your opinion. I know – your opinion has changed since the last podcast about who you think may or may not come back.
0: So are we a hundred percent? Like, do we have a source on Blake saying he's not coming back?
1: I don't have, I could try to pull one up, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it quoted in a couple articles. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how accurate that is.
0: I'll look it up while you talk. Well, the reason I say that is because like you said, yes. So originally last podcast, I said, I don't think there's any chance of these guys coming back. And that has, I have changed my opinion on that for a couple of reasons. One day, I did. I really didn't think we were going to lose to Duquesne. I did think we were going to beat Duquesne, and then, you know, maybe not, maybe lose somewhat handily to Bonaventure, but at least I thought we. I more, thought we'd beat Duquesne too. One more game to play, right? And um, so let's go down the list. And a caveat to this, I'm almost positive that in the in addition to seniors getting or any player getting an extra year of el- eligibility here, um, I think they also get a one time transfer. Uh, with no yep. sit-out right yep. no labor, so yep. we have to remember that not any not any of these players are guaranteed to come back to Richmond they could try to do something yeah, that's like true it, like a grad transfer so let's get on the list uh I'll, st- I'll just run position point guard Jacob Gilliard I think he is probably the most likely person to come back and this is the one thing that I've changed the most on um there's really two reasons and they're both somewhat selfish in that he has a chance to break a NCAA D1 record, which I think is the most compelling argument why he would come back. Um, He also has a chance to break a Richmond program record uh, for assists. So we all know the Steel's record. I think right now he sits maybe top six all time. Um, And he essentially, with the canceled games this year and the canceled postseason last year, which we all think we would have played probably at least three games in addition to what we played last year, I mean, he's basically lost half a season. Um, I think it's fair to say maybe like, maybe a third, like 10 games or so, 10 to 12 games. And so I think it's, you know, even though we were kind of talking about this and you were saying, yeah, it might be like a Mickey Mouse steals record for all you Mickey Mouse <laughs> ring fans out there. If he were to come back and get the record, like he still did lose a lot of his seasons. So I think there's a lot of motivation there because, you know, I, I can't imagine his pros prospects are that high. Um... I'm sure he'll be able to find a, you know, a comfortable spot in Europe. I don't think he's a G League player. I don't think he's an NBA player, unfortunately, just because of that size alone. I mean, how many sub-5-7 guys do we see in the NBA right now? I, not, I can't even, not maybe. I, not, yeah. not many. Jesus. I God. can't even think of one. So Maybe like J.J. Um, Barea, but I think he's even taller. Right. And so even for the fact that he's a, a, you know, he's a four-year player, he hasn't done a fifth year yet, he could get his grad degree at Richmond or at another school. So I think it's actually fairly likely that Jacob comes back to Richmond or decides to go to another school and chase that Steels steals record. Now, the reason why I think he would come back to Richmond is because like I said, he's also tied um, for career assists all time with Greg Beckwith. And the, I think there probably is some motivation to become the number one assists guy at Richmond too, along with yep. steals. Um, I think that would kind of, and this is a question I had, I mean, is he the second best point guard in the Mooney era, like after Kevin Anderson? Like, maybe you can say Chandray Jones is ahead of him still, but numbers wise, Gilliard has better numbers. Um, even though, like, Chandray is probably the better pro prospect because he's still in the G League right now. Yep. So I think Gilliard probably wants to solidify himself in there. So that's at least my opinion on Gilliard. We can go back and forth for each position here. Uh, what do you think about that? Are you in agreement? Do you disagree? What
1: are your thoughts? No, I'm in total agreement. Um, I don't think it really is advantageous to him for advantageous for him to leave the program. I think he has thrived in this Mooney system, though the team has not thrived. I think he's been great in it. I think he's comfortable in Richmond and he and he likes people there, likes the school, hopefully. So um, I'm in total agreement with you. I think he's already up there with Beckwith. He's like, I might as well stay here, ride it out, break the Richmond record, break the NCAA record. So I think he's got something to come back and play for. And even though he does have incentives to go play, let's say abroad or something, I think it means something to him to break those records. And if I personally was in that situation to break NCAA records that may or may not be broken for a couple of years, selfishly I'm going to try to do that. And with the free year, why not do it?
0: I mean, he doesn't have a chance to just break the record. I mean, if he comes back next year and he gets a full season in, like oh, yeah, he'll he could be, blow, he could blow them away. I mean, that might be an unbreakable record if you think about it because of how many games he would have played. Yeah, I mean, nobody might, else like, might
1: get that chance. He again. might
0: literally be able to like take that record to his grave, right? Like, which is yeah. like deep to think about, but I think that's a lot of motivation. I mean, yes, I understand that these guys want want to, a lot of them want to go get their paychecks. They want to experience the world outside of, of you know, Henrico County, Virginia. I totally get that. But I think in Gilliard's case specifically, there's a lot of motivation to delay that that pro career. And you know, we all know that that's bigger than basketball, right? And he, yep. you know, being able to maybe get a, a graduate degree—I don't—at at a great school like Richmond, um, like you said, I don't—I I think it is maybe even more likely than not that he might consider coming back. So,
1: one hundred percent.
0: Which I did not think going into going into uh, the, the tournament, but that the way that that ended, I just I could see him really, really thinking about this one. Um, so for shooting guard, I'll do Nick Sherrod next, uh, okay. or no, Blake Francis, and then we'll do Sherrod. Okay, uh, Blake, so I, I
1: found I found the Francis article.
0: Okay, do you like? So is there uh, a specific
1: quote? It's uh, JLC. This season, global health crisis permitting, Francis aims for the final time at the NCAA's. Winter sports athletes were granted another year of eligibility because of COVID nineteen. Francis, who turns twenty three in January, said he has no plans to be back at UR next season. End quote perfect I, I think that's I think that's enough that we I don't think he's there's no chance he's coming back
0: yeah nothing to talk about and I would say there I would even if we didn't have that quote I wouldn't think he would come back he's older he's and already he's the, a fifth and year he's,
1: and he's the most pro pro ready guy pro adaptable guy in my yep, opinion
0: and so. he um we all know that he's not a natural fit in the system either so I think I, I'm not too you know that, that's I think that's would all a, what
1: he, Would would love to see him back but um I think you should
0: go get his bag. Screw it. I agree with you. So, next for small forward, I'll do Nick Sherrod. Now, this one's really interesting. Really, really interesting. So, I think there's also some stuff that Sherrod put out after he tore his ACL in the fall that was before the season started that said um, something like, you know, after tearing my other ACL, I kind of view this as a turning point in my, you know, life right now. Start to think about things outside of basketball. It's kind of hinting at his playing career being done. Um, and that might've even been outside of college. Like that might've been like not pursuing pro basketball as a career. Yep. However, uh, after again, him sitting on the sidelines all year and watching this happen. And if he does get word that even just Gilliard, but any of these other guys might be considering coming back. I think that could potentially influence things. Now, again, he is a fifth year right now, a sixth year. He would be, again, you'd be very old and it would be his, a long time around the block and probably a long road to getting back to fully healthy and basketball shape. Um, But I've gone from like no chance that Sherrod goes back to maybe like 15% chance he comes back. I still think it's much less likely, but I think it could be influenced by maybe if, if one of the two of the guys decided they're going to come back, that could help bump his percent chances up. However, I would still say more, probably more likely than not, he does not come back. What do you think?
1: Oh, dude, I am totally on the other side of this. I I think Sherrod is the most likely to come back. I mean, he's shown this year that look, he can, you know, he's done some great stuff with Noah and Austin. He's done some stuff on, you know, more national scale podcasts. Yeah, you know, maybe he could be a force in the media industry. Maybe he wants to be an agent of change with all the things going on in in America with racism and, and stuff like that. But I think his skill set, if he can come back healthy, no matter who comes back, he's got a chance to be the guy on this team with him and Tyler next year, pending that Tyler comes back. But he's a guy that, let's say he wants to continue to play basketball at a high level. He wants to go pro. This is the year for him to come back. He really hasn't gotten any tape in the last two years. So it's going to be tough for a, a legit team to try to sign him, you know, whether it's a G League team or in a broad team. So I think next year would be really beneficial for him to come back and play so besides jacob he is my number one guy to come back even if nobody else comes back i think he is the most likely to come back so i think i'm on the complete opposite side of the spectrum um from you on this one so i mean i think that's that's my opinion but yeah you got any got anything else to chime in then we can move to the next the next forward on this team
0: very interesting so i will just say i am looking at an article uh wtvr uh, All right. Shout w- out to that, no, that's that's CBS Richmond, CBS six. Shout out to uh, Sean Robertson. Um, if you know, you know. Um, I have an article about Nick after he tore his ACL. Um, while he hasn't closed any doors, he's likely not to return for a sixth season, even though it's an option, because he knows what the rest of the roster might able to do in his absence. So. I feel like it would be selfish of me to come back for a sixth year. I've gotten almost every experience you could have as a college basketball player. I want these guys to have their time. I know what playing means to me, and I want them to have that.
1: Nah, nah, I don't buy into that.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, Aggie, yeah, we don't buy into it because those guys didn't have their time. They had a horrible time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... So if
1: anything, if he's like, they're leaving, he's like, all right, might as well make it my time this year.
0: So yeah, maybe I'll bump my percentage chances up a little bit, but it, it, the story's not closed with him yet. So I think he's a big one to keep an eye
1: on. I, I think he's thinking about it a lot, especially if he's anywhere close to healthy. He's like, you know what? I might as well consider it.
0: And like you said, if he is trying to go pro, he probably does need another season to he needs maybe tape. remind people. He needs like, film. He needs yeah, film. exactly. All right, so um, let's move
1: into other forward, Nathan, Nathan Ko breakout player this year had us had us had some ups had some downs I'll start off um I mean I'm basically going into this as my third player that I think should come back (laughs) Um, but I, I mean KO had a solid year I feel like he had a good year last year too but this was really his year that he he showed out especially in some of the bigger games but then also kind of disappeared in some of the bigger games so I think it's it could be good for him to come back as well. I don't really see him again having a ton of great post grad opportunities. I mean, he he could definitely. I want him to go out and play pro and break out, but I think I think it would help him to get one more year.
0: Yeah, I I I agree with you here. He 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 would turn twenty four to start the season in October if he does come back. Yeah. Um. I just feel like those first two years he didn't do much, so I feel yeah. like he's. Now that he's
1: finally broken out. He's like, all right, let me show these guys what I can do.
0: He's also a um, he's also a uh, only a, a four year senior, so he yeah. could he could pursue yeah, that a, graduate degree.
1: Too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think he's someone I've got on the fifty percent line. I just don't know enough about him to really, you know, not that I know any of these guys personally, but no, I me like, neither.
1: But he's a he's a pretty quiet personality. Yeah, he's a he quiet
0: person. He's he's never on the interviews, anything like that. So. I've just kind of got him as a fifty percent. I don't really know, but again, I think if we hear of any of these other guys talking about it and he gets involved there, that could help the entire. Um, that could help the entire group as a whole. I feel like we're, we're starting to sound a little homey here. That we're thinking all yeah, oh, these guys are going to come. Now there. we're like everyone's coming back.
1: Yeah. But I will.
0: Um, I will transition to the last guy. called, and hot take here will be. I think the no chance Grant comes back. Um, I don't you know think, if I think he's re- just done. I don't know if I'm reading too much into kind of that end of game scenario um but you know fifth year guy going into his he would be going into his sixth year I mean look he's a 6'10 big man big man that has skill I think he can I think he can have a very productive career um that's you know valuable to him and I uh I just don't I think I think he might be ready to turn the chap, you know turn the page um and, and go to a new chapter and again like I said maybe if all these guys sit down they're like we're gonna run it back we we know Blake's pretty much out but um, we're going to run it back. Maybe he'll come back, but I think, you know, I think he might be done and ready to go. But that's just speculation, like all this is. But what do you think? Yeah, totally. think you think he's he's ready to come back?
1: It's tough because I just said that you know what what three guys are going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, for Grant, it's a weird situation because when I watched him on that bench, I saw the frustration, and I thought, okay, you know, for me, he's he's loved this program so much. He's loved playing under Mooney. You know, TJ's one of his his biggest advisors, one of his mentors, and also a big fan of Coach Mooney, too. So I'm like, maybe this frustration is built up because this season wasn't exactly what he intended it to be, not what he wanted it to be. And now with this free year, it's like maybe he gets a chance to do it again. And and this frustration was because he's like, okay, I have to come back and do this again. But end of day, I think Grant right now has the most to gain out of going pro. I think he can really develop his game under some – some some pro coaches whether it's abroad or or in the u.s i think playing basketball all the time getting healthy finally will really help him out a lot so i think he should go pro whether or not he does i don't know like when i watched blake on the bench i could see that like all right i'm done i'm ready to get out of here probably because he was hurt at like and couldn't even play but grant was hurt and maybe could play and i kind of saw that face too but if i had to put my money on it i'm gonna say he's gonna run it back
0: wow so you're saying they're all running the with four of them coming back.
1: Yeah. I think I'm going crazy. I think I'm out of my mind, but
0: <laughs> I think you are too. I, again, I'm going to go back to being the skeptic that I am for Richmond. I'm not skeptical about anything else, but Richmond, just because I've known better. I, I think, I think it is a little too wise, you know, or cheery to think that all like four of these guys are going to come back. Um, but you know, I, what I was going to say was like, is it a situ- is it an all or nothing situation? Like would Gilliard only come back if, Everyone comes back. Like, right. you know, if uh, Nick comes back. Like, would yeah. Nate only come back if Nick and, and Jacob come back? Like, is well, it an all only or nothing? Would come
1: back if he knows Jordan Gately's coming back?
0: <laughs> you know, we don't know. Like, the, again, we don't know these guys. We're not going to pretend like it. We're just speculating here. But yeah. it's really interesting now. I think it's actually become a very decent conversation. I think going into this season, all of the guys anticipated we were going to make our run. And so they were comfortable at that point saying, this is my last ride. I'm 23. I'm ready to go. But now, like – in this COVID
1: year, where all they've been able to do is live in their rooms and play basketball, like coming into next season where they might be have be able to have a regular college experience, go out and play basketball and like enjoy it, it might be worth it. You know what I yeah.
0: mean? Or I think I if you guys can take away anything from this, it's that this off season is going to be crazy. I mean, it's going to I be. Think so.
1: I think so. Too. I and and think this is just weeks... this
0: is just one team in a in a you know not a not a true mid major conference, but not a power five. Like I can't even imagine the roster turnover that's going to. Um, that's going to happen. So Andrew, I think for, I think for, for our prospects here, let's look at two scenarios. Let's look at the all or the nothing scenario. All
1: right, let's do it.
0: So in the all all scenario, which I think we're going to, we're still going to keep Blake out of it. Um, So in the all scenario, we, we have four uh, seniors on scholarship return for another year. Yeah. We have, um, we have four freshmen that have signed their letter of intent to come in for the next year. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure if I'm doing my math correctly on the amount of scholarships that we have, it's a little bit too many. It's too many. <laughs> yeah. So, what the heck happens then? Like, are we taking people off scholarship? Are we encouraging them to transfer? Like, that is a whole thing. And yeah. look, I think there are some guys that you and I can identify that we think might be candidates for yes. that. But <laughs> I don't think we want to get into we don't that.
1: Need, we don't need to get into that. Yeah. No,
0: but that creates a whole issue in itself. Like, how is Coach Mooney going to navigate that? Yeah.
1: Um, so I don't exactly know what the rule is going to be with guys coming back on scholarship with the COVID season. Like, I don't, I haven't honestly read into that enough. Um, but I think there's got to, they've got to know a way around that. Like, they're yeah. not going to let these guys come back if they know that they have to take stuff away from future guys because. You know, that's just not fair to them. No. They've been recruited for the last couple of years, and it's not going to be like, all right, now you automatically have to redshirt because we need to give this to someone else, or you're not able to come onto the team until the next year. So I think there's got to be a way around that. Um, but maybe something just happens where, you know, some of the walk-on guys just lose their opportunity, which we've seen. Has happened in other schools, like you know, bigger, bigger schools, and they bring guys in. Maybe yeah. the walk-ons lose their spots, and and the recruits take them, and maybe they lose their scholarship for one year, but you make it up down the line. I don't know. I need to read into the rules more, but I don't think there's a situation where Richmond doesn't let you know four, four or five guys come back on on this free year and, yeah. and sacrifice them because they want to bring a freshman into the program. Where this is a program where we don't often have freshmen play unless they're exceptional.
0: And if you know this rule and you're listening, hit us up and let us Your know because sure it's written please. somewhere.
1: Yeah, we're like, just I, we're just not the reading guys. So.
0: I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some sort of scholarship flexibility because I you know we're, we might be in the in the the uh, you know not normal here with with four guys that could potentially take advantage of this, but or five technically. But again, we're counting. I mean,
1: off. yeah, we could literally return a full starting lineup if everyone comes back.
0: Um, however, you know, <laughs> let's get
1: into let's get into the no one quick, and then we'll wrap it up
0: in the nothing. We lose uh, five or seniors. years. Uh, we bring in, like I said, those four freshmen. And we've also got the Andre Weir transfer that we never added anything onto.
1: Yep. And
0: so if I'm doing my math correctly here, and I, again, I will still say that I think this is the more than likely scenario.
1: Yeah. Most likely
0: we've got two spots to fill still. Um, yep. And what I think that we need to do is coach Mooney and his staff, uh, you know, coach that that they need to live in the transfer portal. They need to live in the transfer portal. Find, in my opinion, two big men, um, a immediately eligible grad transfer um, that can come in and play the five because we cannot start Matt Grace. I'm sorry, I just we can't. Um, and then a younger guy who is going to sit a year, either actually sit out because of a transfer or just not be ready to play um who can then be our guy going forward because again i mean this this front court um uh debt it's bad you is, don't need to know it's it. it's the worst in the A10. by uh, i mean i and i don't even know anyone else i just know that it's the worst in yeah. the 810 yeah for sure so um th- i mean th- that's that is a lot of work and the the big dilemma here is that what is mooney thinking is he trying to go for the all-star or is he trying to back up the nothing because you know if he's having phone calls with transfers well, at the same time, knowing that he might have to call him back and say, Hey, actually all our guys are coming back. Everything I said means nothing. Nice knowing you. Like this is a lot, <laughs> this is a lot to to try to balance. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Um, and what I don't know is if, you know, are we going to know about this next month? Are we going to know about this in June? Are we not going to know about this until the summer's wrapping up? Like, you know, this is, it's going to be a crazy time. And um, you know, it's I, I just really don't know what to think. Like yeah, I started this saying, I think Jacob's gonna come back, but again, maybe it is isn't all or nothing. Maybe it really is. And so who knows? And 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 again, one thing we didn't mention is in the middle of all this, there could be uh rising sophomores, juniors and seniors that transfer, that decide yeah. to go to another school. Um, guys that we don't expect or guys that we think might maybe want a fresh start. So I, I think well look, I think again, I think it's more than likely that we're gonna see a very different roster next year, but <laughs> we could see all these guys under the seniors tab be there again next year. And that would be crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely would be crazy. I mean, this transfer portal already is crazier than it's ever been. Oh, and on maybe, Monday, the American things that were going in there yeah, Right crazed. after Selection Sunday, especially after Selection Sunday this week, it's going to get even crazier. Yeah. And after this tournament's over, I think it's going to get even more loaded. So I, I don't want to get into the no the no one coming back situation because I think it could all change in a matter of weeks. Like. Sarah lineup next year is Isaiah Wilson, Connor Crabtree, Matt Grace, Gustafson, and like, like Sal Falcaressi. Like that five could change in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, if we can get a couple of commitments that could change so fast. So I don't want to look too deep into that scenario. I'd rather like do what we just did and look into the return everyone. Cause that's maybe the more positive scenario, but I think there's a way that we could get a couple guys and, you know, we've seen it before that when we get guys to come in, Mooney has found a way to force guys that maybe aren't as crucial out. I mean, we've seen it in the last couple of years with guys like Jordan Madrid, Andrews, and and you know, he was a, he was a highlight on the roster, of course, but um, <laughs> with a couple other guys too. Or we've seen younger guys transfer out that maybe were, you know, were a little bit pushed out. But I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into that scenario, but I think we just need to continue to watch the transfer portal, and uh, I think I think this roster could look very, very different next year. It's going to be yeah. to see what happens. Um, and we will we will keep you updated on that for sure.
0: And I think, look, the, I mean, we've got to, you know, the only people that know what's going to happen are the, those guys, the players, right? So the and I'm sure they're talking about it too. Yep. So, who know, I mean, I, I'm expecting to know by like the beginning of the summer if any of the, those guys are coming back, and and
1: I think for their for their sake, they'll have to announce it too before then,
0: right? Um, and so then we go into like full roster mode, and like what is happening after that. So
1: and who knows, maybe COVID impacts their decision to go pro because there's not as many opportunities.
0: Yeah, it's it's a crazy time, and so <laughs> we're going to be following it closely. Um, I think you know usually I feel like we wouldn't be putting out too much content in this you know spring summer and um, early fall, just because of, you know, there's not a lot going on in college basketball, but I feel like there's going to be almost, you know, maybe bi-weekly to, to monthly updates that that yeah. are going to be like big things for us to talk about, whether it's a guy coming back, a guy not coming back, a guy transferring in or out. Um, so I think there's going to be I a lot agree. of stuff to, to stay on.
1: And we'll be here. We'll be here to have it all. So let's do it.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. If you stayed through to this, to the end of this roster breakdown, um, I, I think the next time we'll, you know, get another episode out, we'll probably be, we're, we're probably, you know, I'm at least expecting another article from John O'Connor this month. That's like something yeah. about the seniors. I mean, these guys have to be chasing down the seniors trying to get information. So yeah, definitely. hopefully we'll have another roster update by the time we uh, all come together, because again, it doesn't sound like there's going to be any developments on the coaching front.
1: Nope. Yep. I think that's fair. Um, thank you. everyone, still listening. Hopefully the next time you listen to us, um we'll we'll have a very very intriguing interview for you all to listen to so uh until then that's all i got um you know maybe we'll do a little uh little selection sunday march madness little march madness pod even though we're not in it we'll talk about some of the other teams but we'll play it by ear thank you for everyone for tuning in um if you haven't already done it follow us on all socials uh subscribe on youtube subscribe to the podcast thanks everyone
0: thank you everybody and I'm not even going to say roll Spide. Let's just get this over with.
1: Roll please. with pride.
0: Kendall going to take a fadeaway Three It's good, and he fouled. Screen set by Jerome. No! Oh, Anderson, two more. Hands it off to the brothers. The long three. He switched it. The fighters have a chance to win. Anthony for the lead. Two. Trey Davis to inbound. Underneath the basket to TJ Clyde, who lays it up and in with 1.5 to go. Puts it on the deck, and Faye shoots.